This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. together listeners. So we all understand how important it is to adopt a more sustainable lifestyle, but there are a lot of popular sustainability hacks out there that actually can cause some confusion and might not be as eco-friendly as they appear. In this episode, Lisa and I dive into some of the most common myths, like is washing dishes by your hands really better than dishwashing? Uh, We also talk about car washing, all sorts of things. So keep listening to find out. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Good, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I am excited about today's episode. I feel like it is a big deal in terms of like debunking some of these sustainability hacks that people think are like really awesome, but maybe they're not. Like I actually learned a ton when we were uh, thinking about this art, this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. So today's episode, we will be focusing on some of this, as Laura was saying, most common sustainability hacks that may actually not be saving the planet like you think. So we'll, we did ask specific questions. We question our maybe even some of the favorite things we are personally doing that and uh, kind of got, uh, got dig, dug up the data, right? Dug up the data yeah. on this. <laughs> are we actually saving the planet so uh listen in and if you guys actually have some of your favorite own uh, sustainability hacks that you would like to share with us don't forget always feel free to you know uh talk to us on instagram and tiktok and email us at hello at brighter.eco we're always all ears for sustainability hacks but always know that we do our research too Totally. And so the ones that we're going to share today do focus a lot on water usage and energy usage. And so we found a cool few statistics to throw at you. But basically, um, you know, one was according to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency here in the U.S., the average American family uses more than 300 gallons of water per day at home. And roughly 70 percent of this use occurs indoors. So that to me was pretty mind blowing that, I mean, 300 gallons, if you visualize that, that right? Like crazy. a gallon of milk, that's yeah. pretty crazy. And I like that they specified that most of this is coming from indoor usage, right? Because a lot of times people think, um, you know, oh, it's because it's, you know, you're watering your lawn too much. So yeah. I really like that they made that distinction. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I was actually, Laura, I don't know if you know, I was selling my boxing punching bag uh, yesterday, and it's actually filled up with water inside to make it stable. Uh, and my husband, um, I'm thanking him very much, you know, when we were emptying this gigantic, basically, water tank, um, we, um, I saved all of this water in a bucket. So very proud of myself. Hey, there. that's pretty cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, we're recording this um, as, you know, California is basically already going into drought, uh, which yeah. is insanely sad. So, yeah, just conserve water conservation in general is very much top of our minds right now. Absolutely. So for us, that was where, you know, we kind of started thinking about some of these sustainability hacks and you know, a question that we had to talk a little bit about was, you know, why do we think a lot of sustainability hacks, you know, exist, right? Like why, why do they exist and why is there so much conflicting information? Like, what do you think, Lisa? Um, I'm actually, I'm not sure. Um, I think maybe a lot of them are counterintuitive, right? And, and I think as we were just talking about this 300 gallons of water, we just, you know, it's a, it's a true statistic. I'm sure it's correct since it's coming from EPA, but none of us are like, we just, we just do things the way we're used to do exactly. things without thinking twice. Right. Exactly. And that's all it takes really. Well, and I think the other, to that point, I think a lot of these things come from the fact that, you know, we are, like you said, we're doing a lot of these actions on a daily basis. Right. So I'm sure that somebody at some point thought about, like, we'll talk about, um, you know, using a car wash, obviously somebody who was inclined thought about, well, how do I make a better car wash? Like, am I doing this right? And so as you think about daily actions, like we talk all the time about this podcast, um, that, that ends up being something that ends up being a common, you know, concern. (laughs) So that's where I feel like they come from. And the reason why I would say there's so much conflicting information is because everything has conflicting information now. (laughs) Exactly. I know that's like a terrible, that's a terrible response, but, um, you know, as we all know, folks, the world is full of a lot of competing information and now more than ever, because of social media, uh, people take something that they think is true and they pass it along, uh, whether it's related to a sustainability hack or politics or whatever. So I think, you know, once you hear something enough, you start to think it's true. I mean, you could, but that's not just related to social media, right? There's also such thing as an old wives tale. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, you know, we, it's group thing, right? Like mm-hmm. we tend to agree with whatever our, um, kind of, um, our own communities usually agree with. Um, yeah. So challenging the status quo is something that we definitely love, uh, doing it brightly, right, Laura? Absolutely. And, you know, to the point about the bubble, like we love our community, but we also oftentimes question some of the stuff we hear being brought up just because we want to make sure that we're all educating each other and are, you know, coming from a place of factual information, which is why we like to do this podcast. Um, so Lisa, you want to get into some of these hacks? You want to, want to get us started? Yeah. So yeah, one of my favorite ones, and I was kind of alluding to that, uh, washing dishes by hand versus using a dishwasher. Do you guys yeah. know the right answer? Uh, and the answer uh, might surprise you. Hopefully if you've been following Brightly for a while, the dishwasher is actually more uh, environmentally friendly options. So, Which is crazy because I, for the longest time, had heard the opposite, which was, you know, put your dishes like in the sink you know, and use like 
uh, half of the sink for the, the dirty water, half of it for the clean and kind of do this type of thing. Um, so, so I was really interested when you found this one out. Yeah, so the stat that we have, dishwashers may use only 16,300 gallons of water over a 10-year period, while hand washing uses around 34,200 gallons of water. So it's mm. a, a, a more than double, right? Or like yep. Exactly. Uh, just um, less than a double, but still a huge difference. Yeah. So another thing you can do, like if you want to take it one step further, opting for high-power dishwashing pots right can help mm-hmm. cut back on the pre-wash most people do before putting their dishes in the dishwasher because yeah that was my point mm. I, I wonder if your technique you know kind of like soaking the dishes first and then using the other half i wonder it's different because a lot of people and like me myself my husband we have only one sink we just wash it and like have the water running most of the time yeah if, that's right you know what i mean so that's definitely probably the worst thing you can do yeah but that's why i'm always on his case and like feel like he sometimes just uh, doesn't turn on the dishwasher and I'm like why he's like well there's like one more space I'm like okay we have no no clean dishes now it's like it's better to run um according to the data I'm guessing it's better to run like a half full dishwasher even you know obviously don't run it for like two spoons or something uh but yeah use your dishwasher especially yeah energy efficient dishwashers um again you can find them on EPA on all this information they have specific water saving efficiency standards which i love that yeah i mean i i think it's really cool and you're right i'm sure it totally depends on technique the one that i was talking about was kind of the more old school technique before even people had dishwashers and i would bet that that one probably doesn't use as much water but you're right the average person sits there with a pile of dishes and kind of just has the water running and that can be pretty difficult right so um i love this the, this fact i'm a huge dishwasher fan um i if i'm in a place that doesn't have a dishwasher I like, I like grown, <laughs> but I'm also a total, uh, germaphobe. So for me, it's like has to do with getting stuff really clean. Um, and you know, the other thing I'll say, you mentioned dishwashing pods. Like we've featured a few of our favorite ones on the podcast and on the Brightly platform. You know, we love drops. Um, though they make some great, uh, dishwashing pods. There's also seventh generation, a lot of these eco cleaning companies, but they've gotten so good at making those pods that you don't have to rely on the non-clean versions, right? Like there's kind of a myth where you'll see, especially if you go into something like a Costco, you'll see, um, you know, a lot of like buzzwords being thrown around like OxyClean and all of these things that make you feel like, oh shoot, I've got to really get this, um, you know, super bleachy type (laughs) solution in my dishwasher in order to get it clean. And that's not true. Like the hot water does most of the work for you. And um, anyway- Uh, you can definitely get some some great clean dishwashing pots. Yeah, so let's link. We'll link to the article. We actually did even price comparison of different dishwasher detergents. I th- was it laundry detergent dishwasher? I can't remember if it was yeah, laundry or dish, both, but we'll figure but it out. We'll, and we, if we haven't, we will do that because it's always kind of very fascinating for us to discover. Because uh, you know, also one of the myths surrounding eco friendly products, not all of them are more expensive than the traditional conventional version. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you use them properly if you don't to use too much of the detergents or too many pods you might actually save money and the planet <laughs> yeah very cool yeah so let's talk about car washing right <laughs> car washing so this is one that we 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 came up over and over again in the research and so we wanted to talk about it full disclosure lisa and i both 
are not the best people to talk to about <laughs> My husband will listen to this and laugh because he always gets on my case about not washing my car enough. And of course, if you park your car outside, like 99% of people, if you own a car, it's going to get dirty, right? You're yep. going to get tree sap on it. You're going to get dirt and dust on it. So, I mean, I think number one, if you're like Lisa and I and you're lazy, you're being more eco-friendly, right? Because you're not using it, any water. Yeah. <laughs> go lazy, people. <laughs> yeah. Go lazy, people. There we go. Uh, accidentally eco. We talk about that exactly. sometimes. But... And now every once in a while, you should wash your car because it does help, you know, keep the paint intact and help you get more usage out of your car. So let's remind ourselves that we we don't want to be getting rid of our cars frequently. So it's part of your car upkeep to keep it washed every once in a while. So we looked at comparing washing your car by hand or taking it to a car wash. So this is another one where I definitely was like, do it at home because you can, you know, totally control the amount of water you're using. Um, if you have the right equipment, like some people love to wash their car all the time. So they've got like fancy stuff you can put yeah. on your hose and all these types of things. But interestingly enough, um, car washes actually can be a better solution as an, um, on an as needed basis. Sorry. So we're not saying you need to go to the car wash all the time, but it's something I think a similar line of thought with the dishwashing um, some, uh, you know, analogy where you yourself are not going to be as efficient yeah, that using makes total that water, sense. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the number, right? So there, we also got the numbers. So yeah, we, we got the numbers. Yeah, yeah. commercial so, car wash, uh, it's 45 gallons of water on average and... Mm-hmm you and your hands and your family uh, washing the car yourself, 80 to 140 gallons of water. You can see also the huge, huge range there, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, there are so many different variables when we are doing it ourselves. So that, that totally makes sense, actually. Yeah. And there's another interesting piece here about the waste water. So when you're washing your car, regardless of if it's at a car wash or at your house, I would hope that you could choose an eco-friendly or alternative because we know, again, a lot of the chemicals that go in those cars are not great. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like water repellency, like just, you can just tell it's probably not going to be good for the environment. Right. So we actually have laws here in the U S and there's some in Canada that require wastewater in the commercial car washes to actually be put into a specific kind of sewer system. And then it's going to be processed, treated, and comes out again as clean water, which is great. But if you're washing your car yourself, then what's going to happen? The water is going to come off your car. It's going to run down your driveway, and it's actually going to end up in your storm drain. And your storm drain does not equal sewer system. Um, I, I think that's kind of surprising for most people. We kind of assume it all goes to the same place, but it doesn't usually. So what ends up happening is, you know, the chemicals that you're throwing in there, there's like metals, all sorts of stuff is going through this water um, and it could potentially pollute it um, and potentially endanger wildlife. So I didn't even think about that either, but you know, I mean, hey, the second you start talking about it, you start to think, oh, wow, there really is a domino effect here. Time and time again, you texted, emailed, and DM'd us for our take on a planet-friendly way to purchase our tried and tested Brightly favorites. Because while the world of conscious consumerism is exploding, making mindful, planet-friendly purchases can still be a challenge. 
That's where the Brightly shop comes in. To reduce some of the eco-overwhelm, every product we sell has been hand-picked and vetted by the Brightly team. You won't find anything in the shop that has less than five stars. We've gone through hundreds of eco products to discover new and emerging brands that solve sustainability problems for you every day. We even designed our own products like beeswax wraps to keep things fun and to help you live brightly. So how do we help you shop sustainably? The shop launches on the first Monday of each month and is open for five days. So the shorter, planet-friendly shopping window allows us to only order what we need. After the shop closes, we pack and ship out products in bulk. This low-impact supply chain reduces waste and keeps the planet happy. Brightly is also climate neutral certified. Because we are committed to climate action, we have set our entire carbon footprint from operations to shipping. We believe in the power of collective change, and we are so glad you're joining us on this journey. Go to shop.brightly.eco to see what's in store. Yeah, and um, I also had another thought on this. This I did not know at all and didn't think about this before. But um, if you're washing your car yourself, if you can use the water, you know, you know, we've, I think we've posted on Instagram about this before. When you're getting like your shower on to warm up, you can actually just collect water in the bucket mm-hmm. or something. Um, in my countryside back in Russia, um, I don't know if it's popular in the US, but we have these gigantic tubs uh, to collect rainwater. And that's actually what we used to uh, water our plants in the countryside. So you can use something like that uh, to wash your car too. Uh, again, if you have space. And But yeah, I, I, I thought about this before, but I haven't really seen uh, this kind of like rainwater collection being really used in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. So overall, um, you know, the takeaway for this one is if you're in the habit of washing your car, um, try going to a car wash and, and try finding an eco-friendly one because they are growing in, um, you know, in popularity. Obviously, you know, you want to make sure that it's actually eco-friendly. So see if you can learn a little bit more about the the soaps and the, the, the chemicals that they're using on the, on the car, but pretty cool. Um, so the next one we're going to get into and talk about is about washing your clothes. And again, <laughs> my husband would say like, oh, are you going to make a whole podcast about this? Because I wash my clothes too much, probably. And actually, we'll talk about that later. Um, I think we're going to have another podcast about just washing and things in general. But um, I'm a germaphobe. And so I wash stuff probably too much. But because of that, we were curious to know, like, what does it mean to set your washing machine to hot water versus cold water? And how does that affect a sustainability angle? Right? So Lisa, would you say when you do your clothes, are you looking at like a setting on your, on your washer? Like, do you just say like, how do you do it? Yeah, I just, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm on the other spectrum. Me and I husband are terrible at washing stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I, and since, you know, I started working with Brightland, we've been talking about this topic a, uh, a lot. Um, I always just put it on, on cold. I'm not a German for this, so I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's going to get washed somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I just put like on the me- most basic uh, setting, it has like mild, hard or something light. It's like, you know, depending how much stuff or like how dirty it is. But yeah, I always make sure um that i put it on cold and we have a downstairs neighbor who uses it i'm like always judging it's like why do you use warm but i'm you know whatever <laughs> like, yeah listen to our podcast there you go so 
You are correct, right? So actually 90% of the energy that is used when washing our clothing goes to heating up the water. That's so crazy. 90%. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a statistic we found. Um, and, you know, obviously using hot water over time can really fade or shrink your clothes as well. So one thing that you can do is you can just use that hot water setting sparingly like I do. So I actually um, only use that hot water setting for bedding. Um, you should definitely use it for bedding. This is me and my germaphobe uh, pedestal. But Unless it's colorful, right? Uh, well, that's true. You're right. You probably should look to see the care instructions. You're mm-hmm. right, Lisa. Um, yeah. But if you're trying to sanitize stuff, yeah, so and we exactly. and I'm going to talk about other ways you can sanitize other than hot water, but... If you want to be super, super careful with it, then yes, hot water is obviously going to sanitize better than cold water, just if you compare the two waters. And we don't talk about other stuff you can do. Um, and so sanitizing is good for bedding and towels, and that's pretty much it. Um, so if you're going to use hot water, use it sparingly. Um, and then if you want to really get rid of smells and funk, this is my thing because I'm always like <laughs> Laura is very into it. <laughs> I'm really into it. So if you want to get rid of that smell, first of all, that smell is because of bacteria, which I know is disgusting, but it is. It's gross. Like sweat and stuff. So what I've actually started doing in the past year or so, and it works super well, you can use an eco-friendlier, and I say friendlier because again, it is introducing, um, even if they're plant-based um, chemicals and a little bit like I use, it does introduce additional stuff into your wash, but you can use a laundry odor remover. And so I use one by a company called Freshwave. I'm like a poster girl for them. They don't pay me at all, but I like my whole house has everything Freshwave because basically they use essential oils um, to help get rid of odors. And so basically that's going to go in and kind of neutralize the odor molecules. And it's it's not covering them up because a lot of like old traditional sort of non-clean laundry detergent and fabric softeners use a lot of perfume. And basically it just kind of covers up the oh, smell rather than mm-hmm. actually like getting rid of it. So you want to look for stuff that has like tea tree oil in it and, and stuff that is naturally going to kill bacteria. Um, I also probably because of Facebook's scarily good ad targeting, I get ads for something called Defunkify. I haven't tried this one. I don't know how eco-friendly that one actually is. So we'd have to look into it for you guys. But um, that's another one that I've heard that actually just helps and like literally kills and neutralizes those nasty odor molecules. So you can use something like that with a colder water for your clothes um, or for anything else. And that's going to help get rid of that, you know, the grossness. So there we go. Interesting. I usually just opt in for, you know, um, natural laundry detergents. Well, yes, me too. Natural, but also without a smell because yes. Yeah. So otherwise it can be irritating for your skin, especially if you and your family have any allergies at all or sensitive skin. Yeah. And then, yeah, what are you saying? It might smell nice, but it's just covering up the, you know, the, this, the, the smell and the funk, right. But, yeah. uh, it might actually still be there. Well, what's nice about those odor remover things too, is they sm- like, the one that I use does have kind of like an essential oil, kind of like clove smell before I nice. put, well, when I put it into the, excuse me, into the machine, but when it comes out, it doesn't smell like anything. So it just, you know, it, it's just basically the smell of the oils. They do their work and then it comes out not smelling like stuff. So bottom line is, um, oh, actually we didn't talk about drying too. So obviously using a, an electric or even gas powered dryer 
is going to increase your energy usage. So if you can try to air dry your clothes instead of doing that, that absolutely saves energy. We all know that. Our grandmothers knew this. Um, But the other thing I'll say is before you even get to that point, make sure that your washer will spin. So Mm -hmm. get rid of as much water as you can off the clothing before you go into the air drying process, because then that's going to be faster and it's just not going to give your clothes a chance to like mildew or something like that. Yep. Yeah, definitely air dry. Those clothing racks are available everywhere. You know, they're usually metal ones. Obviously, uh, try to not buy plastic ones. Uh, and there's tons of options. I think there's even like nice bamboo looking ones too. Um, so let's get to our last point, right? Um, this is actually, this is quite different, uh, but one I would say is definitely one of the kind of sustainability myths, I would say, we want to debunk. Um so bi- biodegradable and compostable cups are 100% sustainable, right? Um, yeah. Um, I think it's it's just like we, you know, it's like perfect. Mar- I mean, it's true they, they are more sustainable than plastics, right? And it's like uh, all of this, a lot of companies are actually, it's great actual news overall for the environment and for us. Um, you know, more and more brands are opting for more sustainable materials for cups, plates and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, when we are being marketed this way, right, we forgot that uh, we forget that these uh, things are still single use. They're still using yeah. raw materials and they still require a lot of energy for production. Right. Don't forget, like, uh, just like the like entire production cycle of every single product is is extremely um What's the word I'm looking for? Intensive. Like, it's, right? Yeah, it's extremely intensive. A lot of materials. Pretty much everything on Earth requires at least some kind, some amount of water to produce anything at some part of the process. Yeah. You know, so don't forget about it. So basically, the the main point of this is that, you know, reusable cups, uh, containers, cutlery, um, it's it's always much better, right? So new plastic also claim to be compostable. Um, uh, but they, in fact, require specific conditions uh, with composting and biodegra- biodegradability. That's the word. You know, there is a, like I just was just talking about on another podcast episode to um, on the, focusing on beauty stuff. But like we always hear this trendy words, but sometimes we still do not know what exactly it means. Like oh, if exactly. you say, right, biodegradable, is it going to biodegrade in a month, a week or like three years? Right. Yeah, 300 so, years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's biodegradable. Degradable eventually, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and you're right. From a composting angle, like there's so many things that say, "Oh, it's compostable," but it actually has to go to like a really specific type of um, facility. Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, Like, how does it help me as a consumer? I mean, it it makes me it makes me feel better, uh, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm buying compostable," and then yeah, and then it's. It's no better than plastic in the end because I, I'm not going to drive to this facility. Yeah, that's, this is a very common thing in the in the world of diapers. Um, it's common in like dog um, waste bags. A lot of them say that they're compostable, but then they have dog doo-doo in them, which is difficult to dispose of. So anyway, yeah, it's just because something says it's compostable, I would argue that I would most of the time say, eh, it's probably not, um, again, unless it's being treated in a specific way. So you're totally right, Lisa. Like, the more we can get away from single use anything, the better. Um, and hey, we just learned that it's not so bad to use a dishwasher with your single use or your uh, reusable item. Yeah. And yeah, one thing I think, like I was just thinking about how can I 
like try to make a correct decision when I'm seeing something compostable or not. I think if you can actually eat something, like we did like this video, I don't know if you remember um, on our social, uh, it's like, it's literally an eatable coffee cup. Remember that? Like, oh, I remember you, that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So something like this is definitely compostable and biodegradable because it's literally food, you know? Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's kind of like far um, up on the scale of compostable materials, you know. But yeah, if, if you can't eat something, it probably requires some, some type of facility or a special way to compost it. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, these were the ones that we wanted to get through today. Obviously, we could talk for much There's longer. There's a lot more, a, bu <laughs> yeah. a bunch of them. So we'll do this again. Um, we'll grab some more um, sustainability hacks that may or may not be actually saving the planet. Um, and I guess to close really the question for you and for us to think about is really like, how can we become better informed about some of the things we can do that are going to actually make an impact on the planet in a positive way? And so, you know, one is just to, just to read up and, and to educate, right. And to, you know, my soapbox is always to me, just because you see something on social media doesn't mean it's true. Uh, we share a lot of awesome facts on social media, but we we do take that very seriously and research them all. But there's a lot of other folks out there that might seem like they've done that, but you might not know. Um, so, you know, even if it's stuff from us, I would encourage you to, to just look that up too, right? Like we're not saying we're perfect either, but we do try very hard. So, you know, just just educate yourself and maybe start to like we say every time, right? Like question stuff a little bit. <laughs> yeah. One uh, interesting tip, uh, this lady told me on, on the other podcast, she's like someone actually, her employee friend, she actually put uh, a, a thing that was supposed to be compostable in her compost. Um, yep. Uh, and, you know, three years later, it's still there. I'm like, that's actually great. I mean, but like who would do this like scientific experience and mm -hmm. like check on it three years later. Uh, but yeah, just let's not take facts for granted. Uh, let's definitely push brands to do more. Uh, let's definitely put institutions, right, uh, to make laws that will require corporation and brands to put very clear instructions on our packaging materials and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And yeah, let's all do better for the planet. And it's not it's easier than we think it is. Yep. All right. Well, Lisa, this was a great one. Thanks for having the convo with me. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.